This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. There's season two. Today's guest is John L. White. Mrs. White is a senior associate AD and senior woman administrator at IUPUI. We talked to her today about being the best version of yourself, how to walk out in faith, how to take ownership of your growth, and not to be afraid to ask for help. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Ms. White. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for your time. Thank you for making the time to be on. Uh, really an in- interested in, in hearing your perspective on, on your journey, uh, athletics as a whole, and how you're kind of navigating through these times and, and what you're doing to kind of uh, serve the student body that you do serve at IUPUI. So here again, thank you so much. Um, my first question to you would be, how are you introduced to athletics as a whole? Yeah, so it's actually, I guess you can say it's kind of a funny story, but not really. Um, I tell people that I was born into Division One mm-hmm. athletics. Wow. And and I do mean that literally because my father was a track and field coach. Wow. Um, he uh, coached at the University of Kansas. I was actually born in Kansas. Um, my father went to school at Kansas. He's actually in the Hall of Fame there for track and field. Nice. And um, he was coaching there. My mother, she got her master's from the University of Kansas. She actually went to her PD undergrad. I come from an athletic background, so both of my parents were coaches, probably on the collegiate level, and my mother's coached on the high school and middle school level. So I've um, been around sports all my life, been around athletics um, all of my life, so it seems like it would have been a natural transition. And the uh, funny thing about it is I had no interest in going into athletics. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. I, I When I went to college, I knew I wanted to major in business. I had this grand idea that I was going to go work for some fortune, you know, 300, 400, 500 company, make a whole lot of money. And then I had a professor uh, in the business school and he was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen the way you think that it is. So somewhat had a, a bit of a reality check. Um, from that professor and actually had a fifth year of eligibility. So I actually played volleyball at Auburn. And um, I had registered my freshman year, had a fifth year of eligibility. I had graduated already. So I knew I was going to finish my fifth year, started grad school. And so once I completed that, uh, that year of eligibility, I knew I wanted to, of course, finish my master's. And opportunity opened up where, um, at the time, Stacey Danley and Mark Richards, both athletic directors now, uh, were working in compliance at Auburn and reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in, in staying around, finishing my master's and learn a little bit about compliance and kind of get my foot in the door for athletics. And I thought, well, sure, why not? And so at that point in time, uh, the career path, I guess you could say, was was chosen. Some people may say it was already destined. I didn't know it, you know, uh-huh. in the beginning. Yeah. But uh, God had a, had a better plan. And so that's, that's how I transitioned into athletics and have been on the administrative side ever since. Doesn't he always have a better plan? You know, isn't isn't one of those things where we, you know, there's that saying, tell God your plans and watch him laugh. (laughs) However, I think he's more like, that's, that's good. 
However, <laughs> you know, I know, I know what I know what I created you for, and it wasn't that. Uh, it looks it kind of it may look like that, but it's not that. Uh, but uh, you know, here again, very interesting. You know, you talked about your mm-hmm. mother and father both being coaches and mm-hmm. kind of having that uh, that background, and and so that's great. Now, I I always ask uh, about how what kind of experience you had as an athlete because, you know, we we all serve our athletes and we all want to make sure their experiences are both uh, advantageous for them at the end of the day and, Mm -hmm. you know, pleasant. I mean, that's the reality. We can't make everybody happy. However, we can do all that we can do uh, to, to give them the optimal experience. Now, what was your experience like growing up as an athlete and and how were, how was all that done? Yeah. So, you know, I've had really great experiences um, as an athlete, like I said, been, being around athletics literally all of my life. Um, the, the first sport that I played was basketball. Started playing in the first grade, and it just kind of took off from there. I played basketball a lot longer than then I played volleyball, and I was also because of my father involved with track and field, and uh, both my parents were track and field coaches. Um, so got involved with that. So I was a three sport athlete in junior high and high school, and was fortunate enough to, to be talented enough to uh, to earn a, a scholarship to go on to Auburn and play volleyball. And you know, had a great experience there. I, if I could go back tomorrow, I would. Uh-huh. Um, in, in a heartbeat, awesome. if I could turn back the hands of time, <laughs> um, I would. I would go back uh, graciously, happily, all of that. Um, you know, I, I I had some adversity. I went through three coaches. Wow. Um, while I was at Auburn and you know, everybody doesn't experience that, but I think that's helped me be a better administrator because of what, what I went through and, and be a better role model or, or mentor, if you will, for my coaches and also for student athletes and that, you know, everything's not going to be perfect. We know there is no such thing as perfect. Um, the only perfect being was Jesus Christ. So, right, right. um, none of us are perfect. Our experiences aren't going to be perfect. We're, we're going to face adversity, but it's how you come out at the end. And, and, and what you learn throughout the process. Yeah. And so I think all those things um, helped me, like I said, and shape and mold me into the person that I am today. But, um, and, and part of my job description, it, in my job description, excuse me, it actually says that I am responsible for the student athlete experience. And I don't take that lightly. Um, just like you said, I had a great experience. And, and I want my student athletes to have a great experience and, um, I'll do anything that I can to make sure that that happens and that we're developing programming, um, that's going to help them be the best people, uh, the best, I say, I want people to be the best versions of them. Um, that's, that extends from my student athletes all the way to my coaches and staff and colleagues and everybody, whatever I can do, um, to help someone be the best version of themselves. I want to be able to do that. I like that. Be the best version of yourself because a lot of sometimes we as leaders and mentors and whatever young people and other others let us be in their lives kind of have want to shape what we think is best for them. Uh, mm-hmm. But to be the best version of who they want to become, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not going to tell you what you should do as far mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, vocation or profession. However, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that you're the best at what you do and you have the best, I guess you're, you're, you're trained and you're reared the best way to get there. So yeah, that, that's a great approach to it because uh, there's, I don't know, right now, especially with what's going on in this world and our country in particular, mm-hmm. uh, there's just not enough of that. It really isn't. There's a lot of talking about right. it, tons of talking about it, 
but uh, there's not enough doing. And I think that's where, like yourself, uh, you have a great uh, sphere of influence and, uh, and then you can have a large footprint as far as uh, what you do there. And that's fantastic. Now, you talked a little bit about those who influenced you to go into athletic administration. What was that experience like when you first started? Did you feel like, well, maybe this isn't for me or it was like I'm going for it from, from day one? Yeah, you know, maybe a combination of both. Um, I knew that athletics made me happy. I knew that um, I enjoyed being around athletics. So, um, but I just had never really thought about the administrative side. Um, And primarily because, I mean, I had some some really great role models. Majority of them were men. There were two women uh, in particular that were academic counselors that were very influential um, in my career at Auburn, but they weren't what I will say, they weren't senior level administrators, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, but definitely very influential, not just my life, but several of the student athletes' lives. But I can honestly say, like, I didn't see anyone that looked like me at that level. So yeah. I didn't really know what I wanted to do or how far I wanted to progress until I really got into the meat of things. And, you know, stepping into compliance uh, for those that, may not know that much about it or may know a little bit about it. It is what it sounds like. It's compliance. You know, people think you're the police. It's the tough part. You know, you got to tell people no all the time. (laughs) So definitely not the the easiest uh, department to transition into. But from what I know, especially what I know now, I'm I'm grateful for it because I do believe that compliance and academics are the foundation of every athletic department. And knowing and understanding the rules has definitely helped me um, get to the point where I am today and be able to share experiences. I still have coaches that will call me that I've worked with years ago. They still call me and ask me compliance questions and I just laugh at them because I'm like, guys, I don't do that every day anymore. <laughs> I've gotten yeah. out of that on purpose, right? Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do appreciate it because it, it, it makes me feel good a little bit about myself that they yeah. at least trust me enough to still call me and ask me questions. Um, but yeah, so it was just one of those things after being in it, having that graduate assistant, um, experience and then me kind of sitting back and saying, okay, I I, I think I actually like this. You know, I had thought about being a lawyer at one point in time, um, like, like most kids do when they're young. Oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a doctor, you know, definitely thought about those things in compliance. A lot of people that are in compliance do actually have. Um, their juris doctorate degrees. Now, I don't have a law degree, but that's the way my mind works. So yeah. it, it actually was somewhat natural for me. Um, I like to investigate things or kind of dig deeper into things and really understand the true meaning and the rationale. And then I grew to learn um, and enjoy actually explaining it and, and teaching it and sharing it with others um, and making sure that people really understood. We may not like it, but, but it's something that we have to follow, and, and here's how we're going to do it, and here's how we can help the program be the best that they can be. You said a lot about knowing the rules, and, and, and I say that because I've, uh, I've been a part of helping about 18 young men in the last four years going to college. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the biggest things was always the compliance people. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of like the first line of it all, like, okay, the coaches can say whatever they want and the, the kids mm-hmm. are not being maybe forthcoming with their scores and their, their GPAs and their core courses mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, Cause at the end of the day, they're going to have to really go through the compliance person. Right. And so right. I think there's a lot to be said for that because so many, 
Here again, I, I look at things from a, from a large scope because not only am I a coach, a leader of, of young people, but also a parent. And, and I try to teach my kids about rules, boundaries, uh, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Like, uh, you know, there's a saying like, yeah, you're, you can do whatever you want, but should you do whatever you want? Should you really, you know, do this, that, or the third? And so I think what you're talking about when you talk about the compliance part of it is uh, coaches that are listening right now become very, very, and most are, very aware how important the compliance officers are and the compliance people are and don't get frustrated with them. And, and, and when you hear no, be okay with it because it's saving your tail from something later on down the line. So I just, I really, right. I really want to do that because we have a ton of coaches that, that listen and I really mm-hmm. want to get in their ear about that because like you said, it was kind of like, I didn't want to be saying no, and, but yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. your no really sets up your yes sometimes because when they do hear you say yes, there's a lot more appreciation and gratitude. Uh, so just had to bring that up. Now, as far as, you know, working at IUPUI, what drew you to that specific organization and, and institution? Well, it's kind of funny. Um, so my husband, I'm married to a coach. Oh, my husband's right. a football coach. And so, yes, we, we, we can't escape athletics in this family. And um, apparently he was gracious enough. Yeah, he was gracious enough to follow me very early in our marriage and in my career. And I knew at some point in time that I would need to reciprocate that. And so I had actually gotten out of the business for a couple of years. We have four children. We have three girls and one boy. Wow. And I was pregnant with our son when I was working at Alabama State. And he had the opportunity um, to, to go to Bowling Green State University of Ohio and serve on the staff there. And so I, I left administration and, and was a stay-at-home mom. And so I did that for about two years, almost two and a half years. And it got to the point where we were both kind of like, okay. I was like, I think I need to go back to work. This stay-at-home mom thing is it for me. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love my children to death. But I was like, yeah, something's missing. <laughs> and so I think he saw it too. And the crazy thing, we'll, we'll, we will make 14 years of marriage Um in, in two weeks here, oh, but a majority of our marriage, we thank you. Majority of our marriage, we've been apart, and um, it's it's interesting now because as people learn that about me, especially as women in the business, I've had several of them reach out to me and say, "How the heck do you do this? I'm about to get, I'm about to move into the same space. You know, I'm an administrator, my husband's a coach, or vice versa, or my fiance's a coach, boyfriend's a coach, and we're trying to figure this out." Yeah. And um, so been able to share experiences there, but, uh, once we, once I decided and, and we both kind of said, yeah, let's go ahead and get back in and saw some things kind of a turn at, at Bowling Green, <clears throat> the opportunity, again, I, I give God all the credit because it's definitely a part of his plan, but the opportunity came available and the positive thing about it was IEPUI and Indy was not that far from, from Bowling Green, Ohio. I mean, it, it might've taken me three and a half hours to get there. Yeah. And so um, we knew the kids would, would, would come with me and, and be with me. But if we needed to still go and support him, you know, or go see him or him come up, um, it, w- it, it was going to be a quick drive. And so that was one of the main things that definitely drew me to the position. And also to the fact that um, it was going to be an opportunity for me having been gone for two, for two and a half, about two, two and a half years. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to step back into a senior leadership role. Um, but I would definitely tell anyone listening, you know, that's why relationships are so important mm-hmm. and you have to work on your relationships and continue to build your network. Um, and through that network, that's definitely what helped me 
um, get into the position that I'm in at IUPUI. And, and people joke with me because my athletic director um, is actually, he's an Auburn grad as well. He's actually from Auburn, Alabama. And right. so they all say that's the only reason why I got the job, which <laughs> if that's what they want to say, I'm okay with yeah, that. Take, just take it around. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's fine. If that's, a, if that's the reason, you know, of course, I know better. I know that I was qualified for it as well, but I, I'm sure it didn't uh, didn't hurt. Excuse me, yeah. uh, that I was that I was an Auburn grad too. So, and it's just been a really really great experience. Um, first African American athletic director, and well, I'm sorry, actually second athletic uh, African American. Well, no, actually the third. I, I get that mixed up, but have now had the chance to work for um, African American ads and. That's been that's been a great experience, but the first at a predominantly white institution. Um, the other two were at the HBCUs that I worked at, but the first at a predominantly white institution. So to have um, you know a black male AD and a black male uh, black female SWA, um, that's not very common um, these days, especially in Division One. There are a couple of us sprinkled about, um, but there's not very many of us. So. Uh, the opportunity to work with him and to help him build and continue to build upon the foundation that was built at IEPUI has been a blessing and a great experience. That's great. No, that you're you're saying a lot in, in everything you're talking about as far as opportunity. I like what you said about relationships because there's a lot mm-hmm. to be said about networking, right? And so mm-hmm. like networking mm-hmm. usually is kind of like keeping this Rolodex, right, or, or contacts now on your phone. And mm-hmm. so... You have to cultivate those, though. Those aren't just numbers. Those are actual people. And if you're not cultivating relationships with those people, you can't just reach out every six months, every year, Mm -hmm. and expect them to just jump unless you connected so well at one point, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. However, you you, you know, know, relationships mean everything. I think think ultimately athletics is about relationships. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to wrap it up in, in, in one word. It's relational i mean it's because you have to really be in tune uh not to perfection like you said but just you know you have to be on the same page with your team with the people you're working with i mean just so much that goes into that so i really do appreciate you bringing that up because i think those who are Mm -hmm. listening uh, they may have been brought up in the sense of uh networking like just keep everybody's number there just in case Uh, (laughs) which which i mean there's there's no problem Mm -hmm. with that However, you know, you're not going to reach out to somebody after three years and, hey, remember me? We had a conversation one time. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll hang up on you maybe. So, you know, so my, which kind of leads me to my next question about where you've been, Texas, Southern Alabama State, LSU, Middle Tennessee, South Alabama. And you talked about some of those being HBCUs as well. Now, how have your past experiences served you now moving forward? Oh, yeah, definitely um, learned so much at all of those institutions. Um, and while, like you said, a couple, couple of PWIs, a couple HBCUs, uh, at the end of the day, they all still had the same mission, which was, you know, educating and graduating student-athletes. Yeah. And that, that's definitely the positive side. Definitely, you know, each, each institution is different in its own right. And like I tell people, you know, that may want to job hop or if this isn't working, I'm going somewhere else. Well, you're going to experience something everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, as we, as I said earlier, it's not going to be perfect. And I've seen it written on a board where it said, you know, the grass is greener, dot, 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 dot. So it's it's not always, (laughs) not always, uh, bright green on your, on your lawn either, you know? Yeah. And so, 
um, but have just really had the opportunity to, to work with and meet some really great people. And, you know, if I, if I go back to the relationship pieces for a minute, I can actually think of someone that I can contact at every single school that I've worked at to this day. Wow. So, um, and it, it may have been a while, but I've worked with those individuals. I can send them an email. I can pick up the phone and call them and we might be able to pick up just like nothing ever happened or like I haven't been there for years. Yeah. And I think that's great. And the other piece that I would add about that too is, you have to make sure you diversify. So as you think about your network and as you think about your, your sponsors, if you will, the, in, the individuals, you know, that'll be in the room, hopefully advocating on your behalf, you have to diversify your network. And that's male, female, that's ethnicity, that's, that's diversity of thought processes, that's diversity of just backgrounds, all of that um, is so important because, each person or each entity can lend something different to you and help you get to where you want to go. And through those experiences and working in all those different places, I always, you know, they say never burn any, never burn any bridges. And I believe in that wholeheartedly because you never know when you might have to extend back to somebody. And also what you never know is people don't tend to call the individuals on your resume. They call the people that they know who probably may not be on your resume that actually worked with you. So you want to make sure that even if you, if that, if the contact with that the individual may have been minor, you want to make sure that it was a positive one. Yeah, no, fantastic advice. Uh, you know, you're just, you're saying so much and all that diversity. <laughs> I like what you, when you said about diversity, not just in ethnicity, but in thought, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So many people try to just roll with who they know because mm-hmm. they think the same. And right. at some point that just turns into a bunch of yes people. Not, mm-hmm. not that there's a, not a place for those people in your life. Sure there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, mm-hmm. professionally, you want people who are going to challenge, not not challenge you for the sake of being a jerk, but challenge right. you to see, is that really the, the optimum? Is that best practices? Or are we really going there? Or, or is it just something that, you know, just a quick idea you had, like, you know, people to challenge you. And I think that's uh, really mm-hmm. important what you're saying. So yeah, that, that was really, really good. I like that. Diversify your network and, mm-hmm. and just to make that a point of emphasis. Now, you know, stepping in, in, in into the role that you're in right now, what does that mm-hmm. opportunity mean to both you and your family? Because it, it really is uh, a, a situation and in a position where you're not, you're pulled in all kinds of directions yet Mm-hmm. you do have somewhat of a status that uh, a lot of people look to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm still trying to learn balance, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> I've been in this profession almost 20 years and I haven't mastered that yet. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely trying to understand and navigate the balance, be the, be the best colleague, the best administrator, the best boss, the best supervisor, you know, friend, whatever, whatever I can be. But also at the same time, remembering I still need to be the best wife, the best mom, the best friend, the best cousin, you know, that I can be as well. And keeping those things in perspective are are definitely important. And I think what gives me the drive to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, it's, it's crazy for me to think that my kids are growing up basically the same way that I did because we moved around quite a bit. 
uh, when I was younger, just because, you know, with my father being coach, and of course, first thing people think is that you're in the military, um, uh-huh. some kind, like, you know, someone in your family's in the military, I'm like, well, no, but coach, and they're like, oh, okay, same thing, yeah. um, but we moved around quite a bit, and I've moved around, you know, so much, my daughter, my oldest daughter and I, we were actually counting all the states um, that she had the opportunity to live in, and I just think all of those experiences, you know, I was just fortunate enough to have that and be able to really just pivot, you know, and, and be able to share that with others and that it's okay. Like I moved to Louisiana. I did, I knew one person, (laughs) one person there and she ended up leaving like a month after I got there. Whoa! And so I didn't know anybody, you know, you don't know anybody, but it was, I wouldn't trade the experience for the world. I mean, all the people that I've met, the, the, the families that are now extended families to me and my family. Um, you know, you just have to take a chance sometimes and be okay with it. You know, yeah. step as we say, step out on faith yeah. and, and trust and believe that it's part of your plan. Um, it's a part of your progression and learn everything that you can learn and, and be ready for the next step. And not necessarily looking ahead. You know, we all have our goals and our aspirations. You know, I have a goal to be, and an athletic director. And I hope that one day that um, I'm able to do that. But if I'm not, that's not going to stop me from being the best senior associate AD in SWA that I could be at IUPUI. Um, I always make sure that I take care of business at home, as they say, that I'm doing the job that I, that's being asked of me and maybe even going a little bit above and beyond. I'm not searching myself too thin, but not looking so far ahead that I'm not taking care of what, what needs to be taken care of now. Yeah. And that's one thing that I definitely share with younger people because this instant gratification thing is, <laughs> is a little bit much at times. <laughs> and, you know, everybody, like we say, you, you got to pay your dues. <laughs> you yeah. got to pay your dues. Take your time and, and, you know, just really be patient with it because it will pay off in the end. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, to be able to step away for two, two and a half years and be able to step right back into a senior leadership role, um, was really and truly really a blessing, but I think also a testament to, again, like I said, the relationships that I built, the, the knowledge that I have, um, and just really what I was able to bring to the table at that time and to the department. That's great. You're, you're here again, running down a whole lot of different variables uh, when it comes to the job, when it comes to uh, the importance of the job and how you're, like you, you talked about balance, like you have to fight for balance. You really do. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just mm-hmm. at some point it just becomes like a, uh, an integration of your family and your program and whatever it is you're doing in any profession. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, mm-hmm. I just got to put the two together because it's, I don't know if this is ever going to happen the way I want it to happen. Yeah. And so, like you said, step out in faith. That's it. it mm-hmm. And you talked about that instant gratification, mm-hmm. like the microwave generation, like, they just want to put it in and boop, ready to go in two minutes, you know. And, right. And I think they're, they'll get better at that the more mm-hmm. we keep stepping up and mentoring them. And, and then the more they, right. they more, it's just life experience. And so, yeah, but I do, I do deal with that a lot as well. So I, I completely feel you on that level. I'm like, no, 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 you have to wait. There's a process. There really is a process. I know y'all hate that word, but. There really is a process to this also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing mm-hmm. that up as well. Cause yeah, that instant mm-hmm. gratification nonsense is, it wears, <laughs> it wears you out after a while. It does. Now, it does. Yeah. So 
I would ask you now, uh, how do you look to help and empower others to have the same opportunities that you've had? Yeah, I, I, I try to do that every, every day if I can, um, every opportunity that I get, because I know I wouldn't be where I am today without someone helping me. Yeah. And, you know, I was definitely, like I said, I had my goals. I had my aspirations. I made it a, made it a point to meet with every athletic director, even if I didn't report to them directly, which I didn't report to an athletic, excuse me, an athletic director directly um, until later on in my career. So I had a supervisor, but I was always clear it through them first. But I knew it was very important for that for me to spend time. If it was 15 minutes, however long I had, but to spend time with that athletic director and share with with at that point him. I've never worked for a female athletic director, but um, and share with him my goals and my aspirations because I knew that was the person that could pick up the phone and make a call for me later yeah. down the road. Yeah, and so I took ownership in my path. And that's definitely something that I would share with anyone listening. You have to take ownership in your path. You do still have to be patient and, and trust the process, but also take ownership in it because they're not going to give you anything. No. Everybody, nobody's going to give you anything. You have to, you have to earn it and, and you have to prove yourself and prove that you're worthy to receive that down the road, but it, but it will definitely help you in the end. And, um, yeah, just really remaining focused, focus on that piece and knowing that by building those relationships and reaching out to those individuals and letting them know they will be, they'll send that email on your behalf. They'll pick up the phone and you may not even know that that's happening. Like just about every job that I've gotten, but the very, well, the first job I presented in front of someone and on the spot, they asked me if I was going to be interested in a job after I finished my, um, my master's and I was like, absolutely. Cause I had no idea what I was going to do. So that was a, a great opportunity. And then the next opportunity that I had to go to middle, um, you know, for Dan Radakovich, I know he's the AD at Clemson. He made a call to Chris Massaro, who's still the AD at middle Tennessee and on my behalf. And I had no wow. idea about it. Wow. And I learned about that later on. And so that's when I said, you never know who's watching. Yeah. People are watching you. Yeah. People are observing, and I promise you they're paying attention. And so if you just do what you're supposed to do, every once in a while go a little bit, you know, above and beyond. Make yourself available if you can. Don't stretch yourself too thin. You know, don't try to do too much at one time. Yeah. But but show them that you can do it and show them that you can be trusted with the responsibility to do it. And, and it will happen. And so I try to make sure that I do my part in the, especially in the position I am now, when people reach out to me, I will, I will respond. And I tell them like, hold me accountable. If it takes too long, send another email or or shoot me a phone call because we are busy, but I know what it feels like to not have a call return or to not have an email return. I just feel like you're ignored. And I don't want to do that to someone else. I have mentees to this day that I've never met personally. We've only talked on the phone and we've only emailed and, I reach out to them occasionally and they reach out to me and I actually had a phone call with one, um, yesterday. We've never met at all, but it's been one of the best relationships for me. And it, and it's not just a mentor, man. Like she's all of my mentees mentor me at, 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 at times too, yeah. because I'm always in a position. I want to always be in a position where I can learn. I don't know it all and I don't claim to know it all and never will. And so I get something from them too. So it's definitely a two way 
uh, two-way street and two-way communication. But um, that's what I try to do on a day-to-day basis is just help someone because, like I said, I know I know, I wouldn't be where I am without that help. And I also do it because I hope for my children, even yeah. if I don't get it back, that someone will do something for them down the road. Yeah, no, for sure. There's uh, You reap what you sow. You know, you, you can take, you know, de- determine, it's determined by your lifestyle. <laughs> if you got, Absolutely. if you got, if you got a, a lifestyle of being generous and giving and pouring yourself out into others, well then the same will come back to you and your family as they're connected to you. So that's great. That's fantastic. That's the right mindset. Uh, because there's here again, I'll always refer back to what I'm seeing in society and, how everybody's either looking to blame somebody else or take credit off for themselves. And, and rare, rare sometimes is the moment in, in, in broad daylight is somebody giving credit to others. It, it, that should be kind of the norm. I think that should be what we expect when people open their mouths, when they've accomplished things. And so, yeah, that's fantastic. What you're saying now, I want to kind of talk about kind of where we're at in society and, you know, we're, it's just the pandemic, the social unrest, all those things. Given all that and the, and the state of affairs in our society, what do you value most right now? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, you, you bring, you bring it, I bring it back home. I, I'm so thankful for my parents. Yeah, I'm so thankful for my family and just the upbringing that I had. Um, the opportunities I know, I knew I've known for a while now. I didn't know then, but I definitely know now the sacrifices that my parents made, um, for me to ensure that I had the best education, the best opportunities, um, the best experiences that I possibly could. And, and I see my husband and I, we're doing the same thing, you know, for our kids and, and we're very fortunate, you know, I was very fortunate and, and, and by all means it wasn't, it wasn't perfect but it, it definitely wasn't as hard as, as most have it now. And, yeah. you know, this is probably, I pay attention to things. I definitely, I can honestly say I probably haven't been as vocal as I should have been in some of the positions that I've been in. And a lot of that is just because you, you you're scared. I'll just be honest. Yeah. You know, you want to make sure you don't ruin your career, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and keep, can keep food on your table. But, you know, the times for that is gone and we have to speak up and we have to speak out. And I've definitely been more vocal. Um, I think as I've gotten older, I'm definitely far, far more confident in my abilities than maybe I was when I was younger. But I, again, like I said, I know what I bring to the table and, and I know that what I'm saying will always be in a good and professional manner. Um, and, and it may not be well received, but it, it definitely will come out the right way. And, um, but yeah, this has been, this, this, this last month especially has been hard. You know, I found myself just sick to the stomach and it's hard to watch. It's hard to look at. I do want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm slowly moving to the side of optimism. Yeah. Um, I think we are moving in the right direction, but I know definitely we have to continue to hold people accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable. We have to hold each other accountable because the conversation has to continue. What we cannot do is allow the conversation to stop. Yeah. Because as you can see, you know, things are picking. I mean, we've just had something here in the state of Indiana that was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um, what happened to the gentleman in Bloomington, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, things are coming to light now. People are starting to pay attention. People are recording, you know, thank goodness for this age that we can record things because 
I think it was Will Smith or somebody said, you know, this is nothing new. It's just now on video. Yeah, you know, people can right. actually see it and know that, oh, they weren't making that up. Oh, oh, wow. That really is happening. And while unfortunate, you know, it's, I'm somewhat happy for it because it's out in the forefront. But like I said, we have to continue to hold each other accountable, hold our colleagues accountable and, and be comfortable in the conversation, be comfortable with being uncomfortable because there are going to be uncomfortable conversations. For sure. Um, But we have to be okay with that. Yeah, no, there's this uh, growth that comes with being uncomfortable as well. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Mm -hmm. I I liken it to like when you're teaching young people skill sets, right. In athletics, Like they're not used to it at first and they have to learn to be uncomfortable because eventually they'll get comfortable with having Mm -hmm. those conversations like we're talking about because too many times as a society, we're so forgiving and we're so Mm -hmm. forgetting too. We forget Mm -hmm. why, okay, why were we upset the first time? Oh yeah, it happened again. Okay. Why are we upset the second time? Oh yeah, it happened again. And when it's like going to the doctor, you don't know what's, wrong or what you need to work on physically sometimes until the doctor says, Hey, that's enough. But the, you know, put that third piece of pizza down next time or, you know, <laughs> stop, stop whatever you're doing. It's not working. You right. know? It, things right. have to be exposed. Things need, have, need to come to light. And now that you know, and now that we're all aware of what's going on, uh, it's a lot harder for people to think they're going to get away with it. And now they'll think not mm-hmm. even twice, but third and they just won't do it they won't do it mm-hmm. and, and that and i think that's the goal the goal mm-hmm. you know people say well i don't understand why this and why that you don't need to understand you just need to know that that's the way it is mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. I, we're not called to understand Absolutely. everything that happens in this world and in this lifetime however mm-hmm. we do need to like you said it starts at home starts with us mm-hmm. and then work mm-hmm. our way out so i think that's that's fantastic now you know you've talked a lot about what you do and what you've done, but I want to know as a person, you specifically, you know, spirit, soul, and body, why do you do what you do? Another great question. You know, I, it's just, it's a part of my fabric. You know, I I really feel like it's, it's kind of corny to say that it's in my DNA, but (laughs) it it is, it is, it literally is. It's my passion. I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing young people, succeed. I enjoy watching that freshman come in super green, no idea what's going on and make it to their senior year, just super mature, um, you know, seen, seen some adversity, overcome it, um, you know, just made a difference, you know, in their, in the community that, that, um, our university may be in or the impact that they've had with young people that maybe back at home, but, and knowing that they're ready to kind of take on the world. And I have satisfaction in that. And, you know, whether my part was, I had any part in it at all. You know, I, I sometimes you don't know that till later on down the road. And that's definitely not a piece that, that, that I, that I care about per se, but um, just being able to watch that and, and, and hope that maybe, um, in some small way, I, I, I helped, you know, something that I did, whether they know I did it or not. Um, it doesn't matter, but that the decisions that, that I'm making behind the scenes and the role that I play behind the scenes is, is impacting a student. And, you know, I go back to my compliance, to my compliance days and a, a lot of joy that I felt was when I wrote a waiver 
for a young man or a young woman who without that waiver wouldn't have the opportunity and to get it approved and to know that they now get have a chance to make a difference maybe in their in their lives. They might be a first generation, whatever it may be. But to know again that I had a small part in helping bring that to fruition for them is all the satisfaction that I need. And you know, it's it's bigger than me and it, it will always be bigger than me. Um and it, it's definitely about them, it's about others, and it's about making an impact in, in, a, in a small way or a big way, however way that I can. Wow, you brought up something so, it's so important. I, I re, you know, a while back, it wasn't a while back, two, three years ago, I had a, a player who had all the talent in the world. I mean, I had major division ones just breathing down his neck, getting called mm-hmm. from coaches I never thought I'd get calls from. And he was in a situation where he needed a waiver. And mm-hmm. uh, one institution did it. The other ones wouldn't. They, some of the coaches mm-hmm. just, they might, if I didn't have relationships with them, they would have just hung up on me the minute I said, hey, mm-hmm. this, is the, this is kind of what he's going through with this school. And mm-hmm. uh, it made all the difference in the world. You know, his first semester, yeah. he's pulling a 3.8. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's... he's, he's mm-hmm. It was just different for him. He learned different in college than he did mm-hmm. in high school. And who mm-hmm. he was in high school blossomed to what he was going to be in college. And, mm-hmm. you know, him being a first-time, you know, uh, college student like you talked about, that meant mm-hmm. everything. So I think it's just really important what you said when you said that. It struck mm-hmm. a chord with me because sometimes mm-hmm. we're always – it's funny. It's funny as coaches and leaders, we're always about uh, – we have this worldview of yeah, everybody should be able to do this and do whatever they want. Yet we're so hard on kids. It's crazy. Right. To me. I'm like, what, what are we doing? Right. Like we're holding <laughs> these young people. Like where were we at that age? Let's just mm-hmm. take, let's take a little bit of inventory. So I think mm-hmm. it's just really important. Like what you said, I, I really appreciate you saying that because that really hit home when you talked about that, because I've seen people's lives change by mm-hmm. virtue of stuff like that. And so, yeah, you, you, you're doing God's work at that point, put that way. Mm-hmm. You really are making Absolutely. a difference and having an impact. Now, what have you, you know, you talked about kind of the time away, you know, 14 years mm-hmm. of marriage and, and you've kind of been mm-hmm. apart for a lot of it. But what else have you sacrificed or invested to be where you're at today? You know, I think the biggest piece is family. You know, at early on when, when our kids were younger, it was a little bit easier. Yeah. Um. But now that they're getting older, and, and we're still apart. I mean, my husband actually works in Michigan. Wow. So um, he, he's been here, thank goodness, you know, for, for, for COVID reasons. And I guess that's, the, that's definitely been the positive side of COVID for us yeah. um, is that, you know, for these last 100 days or 80 days, however many days it's been. or so, like. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem like that. Um, our family has been together. And I think really and truly it's made me appreciate us you know, even more and to say, you know, Hey, it's a reminder of what's it all for. Yeah. Why are we doing what we're doing? And does it make sense to even continue like this? You know, I I ask myself those questions all the time and I, and I know my husband asks himself those questions too. And we talk about that and you know, it, it, our sacrifices, sacrificing may not be over. You know, one of us may have to, to come back home again, or he gets the job or whatever the case may be. And I can be, if I'm being very candid and very honest, you know, the first time I wasn't quite ready for it. And I, and I think selfishly, um, I wasn't ready for it. 
but through what has transitioned and what has happened and you know when you're you're, you you kind of have mom and dad guilt when when your kids ask questions like, mm-hmm. oh, "Are we going to see daddy? Or where's daddy? Or where's mom? You know, yeah. are we going yeah. to work? You have to go to work again. You know, yeah. those things happen. Um, but we kind of knew going into it that we would have to make those sacrifices. But still, it, you bring, I bring it back full circle and I say, okay, well, is it time for one of us to you know to come back home? And so, um, definitely the biggest piece is, is that is that family aspect. You know, I can't say that I've really, quite frankly, sacrificed anything. I have been truly, truly blessed, um, blessed with a with an awesome husband who um, supports me in, in everything that I do. And, and I can only hope that I support him just as much in what he wants to do because we both want to see each other succeed and get as far as we can. He has aspirations of being a head football coach one day, and I, and I want to see that come to fruition for him. Yeah. So, I, to, you know, to really answer that, I don't think the sacrifices are going to end, but no. it's knowing and understanding that, like I said before, it's, it's for a bigger reason. It's bigger than us. Um, it's about our kids, and it's about the, the life and the things that we're able to provide for them so that one day, you know, they'll have the same, hopefully more, you know, opportunities than, than both of us have. You know, the second time, the second time you said it, it's bigger than me. And then and that's mm-hmm. a great kind of mindset to have because then mm-hmm. you don't have to put all that on your shoulders because yeah. you know, it's bigger than you. You can't carry that on your yeah. own. You can't do, you need that support system. You need your family. Mm-hmm. You need your coworkers. You need everybody yeah. who's a piece of the puzzle that you've put in your life. That's what you need mm-hmm. because uh, yeah. yeah, too many people put the weight of the world on their shoulders and they get crushed. Yeah. So I think it's here again. You can't do it. No, you just can't. There's just not enough time in a day to, to, to do I, everything. I said Superwoman can have her to- her title. I don't want it. <laughs> right. She can keep that. I, I don't want it. She can keep that. I don't, I don't want it. And it truly, it truly takes a village. And I appreciate what yeah. you just said because, you know, I am, like I said, my husband's in Michigan. And so I'm here with the kids and I'm bouncing all around and my coworkers, and the friends, the few friends that I've been able to make. And I mean, I really would not be able to do what I do. My mother, you know, she comes um, for months at a time. And when I'm traveling and she's here with the kids, I I just, it takes a village and, and it's okay. If it's it's one thing, especially for women that I would share, if there's any, any women listening, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. You, you need it. If they if accept it, if someone asks and you're comfortable and you know them and they're safe and, and they, you, you're okay with them being around your kids, if they offer, take it, you need it. It will help you. I promise. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while to get there because I definitely was not as if, no, it's, it's my responsibility. I had these kids, you know, <laughs> I've got to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had that mindset and, you know, and I still do to a certain extent, but when I relinquished that and I accepted the help, boy, did that make a difference. That really made a difference because people aren't going to ask if they don't want to do it. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and I Mm -hmm. think that's, it's key and it's important for all of us to understand it's okay to ask for help. I think that's, that's so important uh, because then we find ourselves in a corner, you know, complaining about uh, this and I didn't have that. And I, wish this would happen, wish when, when you did have the opportunity to take advantage of somebody's, you know, kind heartedness, you kind of shoot it away and acted like, no, I got it. I got it. Like that's, 
you know, kind of you're, you're killing yourself mm-hmm. softly. And uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, ask for help. Fantastic advice. Now, I, I would like you to give some more advice and encourage our female listeners who, you know, there's a lot of women who are in athletics that are either play on the player side, coaching side that maybe want to move up in athletic administration or somewhere in the menu of athletics. Uh, Cause there's so many positions out there now, especially in, in the bigger programs. And so if you can encourage them, because I'm, the things I've heard are like, you can't, you can't be a part of athletics and have a family. You can't, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the biggest uh, yeah. question I think female uh, coaches have is like, can I have a family and still do this? Cause mm-hmm. you know, I want to, I aspire mm-hmm. to. So could you encourage some of our female listeners as to, you know, what, what, what kind of advice you'd give them on that front? You can absolutely do it. Um, you can absolutely do it. Um, you know, I say the the risk is, is most certainly and most definitely worth the reward. Yeah. And there are going to be sacrifices. It is not going to be easy. Okay. Yeah. If it, like we say, if it were easy, everyone would do it. Yeah. It's not going to be easy, but it, it, I go back to, what I just said, you know, if people offer help, accept it. If you need help, ask for it. Um, don't, don't let that deter you from, um, your destiny, you know, your purpose, um, walk in that and, and walk out on faith and trust that it's going to work out. If that's the way that you're led, just, just go. And that's obviously easier said than done, but I just got goosebumps just saying that, but just, just go, um, and do it. And, and remember that, you know, it, it, be patient, be patient with the process, trust the process and don't let anybody or anything change who you are. Be authentic through the process. You know, they have, there's that thing out now, be you, they'll adjust. And I really like that, you know, don't lose who you are or what you're about or what you represent or, you know, what you put your face in and who you put your face in. Do you um, trust yourself, um, build your network, continue to build your network, and and just step out on faith that you can do it. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And I think that's just really important that uh, some people are at the finish line or near the finish line. They just need encouragement uh, Mm -hmm. to get something Mm -hmm. new started even. To, to stop, right. like you said, stop out in faith, like just get out there and do it. Let's, you know, like you said, just go. Like that's so strong because you're not, uh, I don't know. Everybody's apprehensive about change. Mm-hmm. Everybody's apprehensive mm-hmm. about uh, new beginnings. However, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know when you have an opportunity to start something new, be excited mm-hmm. about it, be, uh, yep. be elated, have some zeal and go for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, f- fantastic advice now. I want to, I want to hear again, kind of looking at a reflective type of question in that, uh, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? It's a really great, great question. Um, I, you know, I talked about the confidence piece a little bit and it's, yeah. and it's, I guess kind of funny to, to even say it because out on the court, basketball, volleyball, track on the field, I was always very confident, but I can think of times where I wasn't a hundred percent confident in myself. And, and I think that might've been my surroundings and things that I was hearing or, you know, kind of what some people were saying, but 
you have to, you know, the devil is a lie. You know, you have yeah. to, you have to remove the naysayers yeah. and, and, and understand and know that, okay, this is where you're supposed to be and never let your confidence waver and continue to push forward. And, uh, like I said, you're going to have to sacrifice adversity is going to happen, but boy, when you come out of that fire, you're going to be glowing and it's going to be learn. Take, take the lesson, you know, as you're going through it, learn the lesson. That's one thing that ingrained in me, learn the lesson once so you don't hopefully go back and, re- and, and repeat the mistake again, yeah, sure. but that you grow from it, but that you grow from it. And so, um, I would definitely tell myself, you know, if, if my younger self would just continue to be patient, continue to be, to be confident in yourself and just continue to push forward because it, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's funny. You said that about confidence. I think an athlete who lacks confidence should probably just stay on the bench uh, mm-hmm. for, for whatever reasons that they're going through that. And mm-hmm. yet we, those of us who've competed at any level, you know, had that confidence and we had that. So then we step into every situation with confidence. And then when we don't have it, it's kind of like, Whoa, what's going on? And like you said, there's different Mm -hmm. variables involved as to why you're not, or you weren't. And I think we just Mm got to overcome that with more confidence. Like I didn't, I didn't come all this way to just give up. I, I, you know, I didn't go through all that just to stop here because you know, him, her, she, whoever else is talking that yak, mm-hmm. in part, you know, mm-hmm. part in my, you know, slang, but you, you can't just Absolutely. stop because people are talking like you got yeah. to do it. You know, like you talked about, uh, your, your destiny, you know, even your ministry, if you will, like what you're called mm-hmm. to do for the rest of your life. Like, don't let anybody stop you because they say this or they say that my dad gave me some great advice one time. I was starting a program and and I had all these high level basketball players that came in from all over the city. And then I had somebody come and say, yeah, you know, people aren't going to like you because you know, you've got all these great players. And and I was kind of like, wow, it was somebody who I respected and was telling me that. And I told my dad, he says, Mm -hmm. so you did all this work, all this groundwork. You set up this great national schedule for these kids to let somebody Mm -hmm. come and just ruin it all for you. Like, Wow, that stinks! Like, and I, and I just put things into perspective, yeah. and and I think that's what you're talking about. Is like, if you're confident, mm-hmm. stay confident. If you're not, Absolutely. go find it. It's there. It didn't go mm-hmm. nowhere. Mm-hmm. You were confident mm-hmm. prior. It didn't go nowhere. You just got to seek it mm-hmm. out, find it, pray, meditate, whatever you do, mm-hmm. breathe, <laughs> take your mm-hmm. time and get it back because it's there. It's it's inside of you. So that's great. I I got fired up just hearing that. I want to go, yeah. I'm going to run through a wall right now, but yeah, it's so, it's so good. Now, I, I asked this question about legacy all at the end of every podcast, because it, it's not necessarily like you see yourself like in the twilight of your career or anything, because I'm sure you have a long way to go, but as a working kind of legacy to look down the line and say, I'm beginning with the end in mind. Like I want, I want this to be said of me and I got to do the work for it. Like it's not going to just happen. So I would ask you, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? Wow. I, I really hope that someone would say, she always knew that it was bigger than her. And she made sure that she did something for somebody else. She was that, that you know, I hope that, Something I said or something that I did 
help somebody else. I don't care what they say about me um, and my accomplishments and whatever I did, that doesn't matter. But I hope they talk about what I did for somebody else. Fantastic. I appreciate your time. I really do. Thank you so much for coming on and being a part of our, of our platform. Uh, I always look to add value in any way that I can for the listener, for myself included, because if you saw the the notebook I got here after all the guests that I've had, yeah, I, I could make another book, you know what I mean? A, a good leadership yeah. book. And so thank you for adding to that as well. And, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. This, this, this hour went by really fast. <laughs> Great conversation. I like feel that. like I've known you forever and, <laughs> and just met you. So Fantastic. Um, thank you again for reaching out. And, and I appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Likewise.